This podcast is brought to you by Podcast Nation. This episode is brought to you by Paramount Plus. Get in, loser! Mean Girls is now streaming on Paramount Plus. Join Katie Heron as she meets the plastics and Tina Fey's new twist on the modern classic. Get ready for more of the rumors, backstabbing, and jokes you loved from the original movie with some fetch surprises. Rated PG 13. Wear pink and head to ParamountPlus.com to try it free. paid advertising opportunity presented itself. I knew like barely anything about paid advertising, took the job on and literally was watching YouTube videos <laughs> of how to run Facebook ads and Google ads like every single day. And I had two screens at work, one with YouTube teaching me how to do my job and then the other one like actually doing the job. Welcome to The Real Real, where I take you behind the Instagram reel and into the real lives of entrepreneurs, content creators, and anyone who inspires me and may inspire you too. I'm your host, Natalie Barbu, and let's get into it. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to The Real Real Podcast with me, Natalie Barbu. Today, I'm recording this intro on my phone, actually, because I am stressed, you guys. I am very stressed. I am about 20 minutes away from going to Australia, or at least headed to the airport to head to LA to head to Australia. (laughs) And my suitcase is not zipped and I'm recording this podcast intro. So as you can imagine, I'm very stressed. The next episode that you guys are going to hear, I don't know if it's the next one or the following, but it's going to be an Australia episode and I'm so excited. I'm going to have my two girlfriends on the podcast. They have never been on before and I've been trying to get them on for so long and I think you're going to love the dynamic and also this is your PSA to follow me on TikTok and Instagram and my YouTube channel because I'm going to overwhelm you with Australia content and it's going to be so much fun because it's not just going to be Australia content about me. It's going to be like me and my friends and I feel like I have always longed for this group of friends that is like from a TV show. Like I always wanted a group of friends that was like in the show Friends or Sex in the City. And I feel like I'm living that experience. Like I have my two girlfriends here. Unfortunately, Caroline could not make it on this trip, but I feel like we are like a a quad. Is that a, a quartet? <laughs> not a trio but a, a quartet I guess but it's gonna be the three of us in Australia and it's gonna be so much fun and I'm gonna take you guys along with me and usually in my vlogs I don't show my friends often I just don't like showing a camera in everyone's face but this trip I'm gonna challenge myself and I'm gonna film a lot with my friends and just get a lot of dialogue because we have such good banter and then I'm gonna get them on the podcast it's just gonna be so much fun we have not planned anything for Australia I am using the six hour flight to LA and the 15 hour flight to Australia to be our planning time because we cannot do anything else so I'm just gonna plan everything there gonna make reservations gonna reserve things the only thing we have is our Airbnb that's literally it we do not have anything else if we need to rent a car well we don't have that if we need to reserve you know to go snorkeling and stuff hope they have reservations last minute none of us had any time we're very busy and we just had no time to plan this trip all we knew is that we wanted to get to Australia so 
Anyways, that is why this is on my phone and this voice memo is, <laughs> it's, it's, you can tell I'm just, I'm just a little stressed. So that's not what this episode is about. This episode is actually a wonderful guest. I'm so excited I interviewed her. It is Melissa Fur. She is a digital marketer and ad strategist, founder of Define Media Company, and she's also the fractional CEO of the Darren Olean Show. He's the guy from Down to Earth, which is the show with Zac Efron, you know, the Emmy Award winner Netflix dog. Yeah, that one. So she's very well connected and she's very successful. I was super, super impressed with her. But we talk a lot about social media, influencers, what the future of like the influencer industry is, content creators, how she got her start in entrepreneurship. Like it's just a very good episode. It's another one that was recorded in person. So you guys will see the video online. Um, And let me know if you guys have been liking the YouTube videos. These intros are only for the podcast. But if you guys have been watching the YouTube videos, then let me know because I like how people are watching, you know, on YouTube and also listening on Spotify or Apple Podcasts. But she's incredible. She's known for her really impressive results. She's earned over $500,000 in sponsorship revenue for her influencer clients in 2022 alone. And she increases like her e-com clients by 30% in terms of revenue. She helps them with big follower accounts on TikTok. She just has an I can do it mindset. And I feel like that is why me and her really relate. And I really, really love her. She's also from Miami. She lives in North Carolina now, which similar move. I would love to know how many people do that move because the amount of people I've met that are like, I'm from Miami, but I moved to Charlotte. I'm like, did everyone's parents do that move in the early 2000s? Like, why did everyone do that? Because that's the move that I did. I went from South Florida to Charlotte. Now I'm back to Miami, but so many people have lived in Miami and Charlotte. And I just want to know the stats on that. So if that's you, DM me. But anyways... Anyways, 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 without further ado, I need to head to the airport. I haven't even checked in for my flight. It's, you guys, I'm I'm scattered, but I'm getting there early. Don't worry. I am getting there two hours before. I'm not getting there like 45 minutes before like I normally do because this is an international flight and I'm not messing with that. So <laughs> very, very excited for this trip. Cannot wait for all the content and I will see you guys in my next episode. Bye guys. Melissa, thank you for coming on my podcast. Yes, thank you for having me. I always like to start the podcast with hearing about your background, hearing about, you know, what you were doing before you became a founder, what you mm-hmm. were doing before you kind of are where you are today. But I want to take it even further back and I want to go to childhood. Okay. So I know that you come from a family of immigrants mm-hmm. and I also did. My parents also immigrated to the United States when they were both 18. And so I think that there's certain differences with like growing up in a family that has come from another country versus, you know, have been here for generations and generations. Mm-hmm. Do you think that's shaped kind of what you're doing today? Or do you think that has kind of like influenced what you're doing today at all by being a business owner? I think it's influenced my work ethic. As you know, like, you know, if your parents immigrated from here, they have worked harder. Oftentimes they work harder to like get where they need to be. And I feel like a lot of like my parents, they worked so hard to like get to where they are now. And I feel like they had to put in even extra work because they immigrated Mm -hmm. to the United States. And I find that with a lot of like my friends that are Hispanic, their parents have the same type of work ethic. And so I've kind of like picked that up over time. And again, like to my parents, they set really high expectations for like me and my siblings to like go to school, to graduate, to like work really hard and get a good job because 
they feel like we have these opportunities now and they've given us these opportunities. So I feel like expectations are higher for us, but also the work ethic is definitely there and it comes from definitely my family. Yeah, I feel the same way where, you know, they want you to have the best life possible and they want you to do something that's kind of going to guarantee success in a way or make sure that they're setting you up for success. Did you feel that you had a lot of pressure when you went to school, like choosing your major or going into a certain field? Or did you feel that pressure like growing up and being in high school or or Mm -hmm. anything like that? Yeah, it's actually funny that you say that. I felt less pressure when I was in school in Miami about like going to a specific kind of university. But when I moved to Charlotte, I felt like everyone was like, oh, I'm going to go to Duke. I'm going to go to UNC and all of these like super amazing schools. And I'm just like, I'm just going to go to FIU. (laughs) Like, (laughs) like, you know, I feel like when I was living here, there was a lot less expectation of like which school you need to go to versus living in North Carolina, it's like, well, where did you go? Where did you graduate from? But the expectation was like, you're going to school and you're going to graduate and you're going to pass and you're going to get a job and you're going to do things on your own. Like I always worked while I was in school. Mm -hmm. So yeah, the work ethic was there. And then you have to go to school and you have to graduate and you have to get good grades. Yeah. Expectation. Yeah. I mean, I feel the same way where like my parents were very much like, you are going to school, you're going to get a good degree, you're going to, you know, get a good job. They just, I think they wanted the opportunities that they didn't necessarily Mm -hmm. have coming here, and that they had to work so much harder for here. So I definitely appreciate it. But it's funny, because both of us kind of went off the beaten path, I guess, where Mm. I had majored in engineering, which like, not uh, what I'm really doing right now. And then ended up like quitting my job and being like a full-time content creator. And so very different. Yeah. Than... And they were probably like, what are you doing? Like, what is this? <laughs> it was very different. Like I had to really prove myself that like this was going to be a full-time thing. Like my parents were very weary at first, but by the time that I had quit my job, I was already making like double my salary. So like I was super cautious about it. I was like, yeah. I'm not gonna, you know, cause like I could have technically kind of like right after graduating but like I'm just not going to get a job and I'm going to do this full time but like they would have never allowed that <laughs> like that would have yeah. been like oh my god what are you doing versus at le- I had to really prove like this is a business like look yeah. I'm making money I've been making money for the past however many months that's like you know yeah. like this is this is something that I can do and then they yeah. were obviously supportive and it's hard to explain like what you're doing like my parents are like yes Instagram and I'm like it's not Instagram <laughs> Like, there's so much more than that. (laughs) I know. So they've learned now, but I understand, too. It's like, okay, you're quitting your job to go into this, like, very new type of career path. And so they were definitely scared of, like, okay, I'm deciding to quit. But I was always, like, really mindful and, like, driven of, like, okay, I'm only going to quit if I match my salary and if I can afford to quit. Like, I'm not going to just, like willy-nilly like hey this opportunity I'm gonna quit and see what happens like I was very strategic yeah no exactly same here You know what the best feeling is? When you walk out the door feeling like you can conquer the world because your hair looks amazing. You know those days when your hair shines with confidence? Well, I have something that are going to make those good hair days into a daily reality, which is Way's new hair gloss. I personally have been loving taking care of my hair. I just got a new haircut and at first I was iffy on it, but then the more I've looked at it and the more I've styled it, 
I actually really love it and I don't think I can go back to super long hair. It's all about how you style it. So I have been meticulous about my hair routine. I've been incorporating Waze hair gloss and it has literally made me love my haircut and love all of the different ways that I can make it look. It's so easy. Just five minutes in the shower and bam, instant shine. And let me tell you, preventing heat damage is a top priority for me. And with hair gloss protecting my hair up to 450 degrees, I can style worry-free. And the best part, my hair feels shinier, healthier, and more vibrant than before. If you guys have seen my blowouts on my Instagram or my TikTok, you know that I have been feeling my hair and it has been so shiny. Getting your shine on in the shower with Waze hair gloss is so easy and it's packed with hyaluronic acid and rice water. And so it, so it not only gives you immediate shine, but also treats damage and enhances color vibrancy. And here's the best part. In a consumer perception study, over 85% of participants agreed that their hair looks shinier, healthier, and smoother with Waze hair gloss. Give your hair a glow up with Way. Go to T-H-E-O-U-A-I and use promo code RealReal for 15% off any product. That's T-H-E-O-U-A-I dot com promo code RealReal. Before you started this digital agency, before you started your own business, what were you doing before that? Like, what was your job? What were you pursuing? Yeah. So immediately before I quit, I worked for a rug company and I worked in their in-house marketing team. And it's funny, they hired me to do paid advertising with like little knowledge of paid advertising. I was coming from a social media management background, influencer marketing background, And then I was looking to like get out of what I was doing or get out of that job. And this paid advertising opportunity presented itself. I knew like barely anything about paid advertising, took the job on and literally was watching YouTube videos (laughs) of how to run Facebook ads and Google ads like every single day. And I had two screens at work, one with YouTube teaching me how to do my job and then the other one like actually doing the job. And so that's what I was doing. I worked there for a year and a half. So it quickly like became a huge interest of mine. So my interest kind of shifted. I was really into social media management and influencer marketing. And then I shifted mostly into like data and analytics and paid advertising. And so I worked in-house there for a year and a half and then got really bored of marketing rugs. Yeah. Because I was still working freelance. I was like, okay, this is boring. Let me work with this like fun brand like outside of this and so I was oh I was never like fully satisfied with Mm -hmm. my full-time job yeah and it's funny that you were like watching YouTube videos on the side how did you get the job if you didn't necessarily understand like paid ads very little about (laughs) paid ads yeah that's a really good question I feel like I blacked out like how I got the job because I was so nervous and even like the first week that they hired me I'm like how did they even hire me like I know nothing about this I knew about Pinterest advertising and that was what they were mostly interested in okay and so I got the job because I knew about Pinterest advertising and I'd started doing it for a freelance client so it was easier for me and that was their bigger interest because I feel like in the design space Pinterest is really big yeah like an interior design so I think I got the job because of Pinterest but then once I got there the week of they're like okay you're gonna do Pinterest but then you're also gonna do Google ads and you're also gonna do Facebook ads and I was like hold up I know nothing about this and so they kind of like put that trust in me to like figure it out which is so crazy looking back at it now I'm like how did they do that but it worked it worked out for the first like month 
I felt like I had no idea what I was doing. And then after that, I quickly like picked it up. I was like watching videos every single night. I was taking like classes on how to learn paid advertising. And I'm glad I did because now that is like a core service yeah. that I offer. Yeah, I feel like without that, you know, you kind of also expanded your services now with your yeah. own agency. Yeah, I think everything happens for a reason. And so I was working at that company for a reason to do what I'm doing now. Mm -hmm. And I know that the influencer industry has obviously grown a lot. And it's Mm -hmm. been something that I mean, social media has grown a ton. And the way Mm -hmm. people the way businesses interact on social media has grown a ton. But when you first started in the influencer industry, like with influencer marketing, with running people's social media accounts, Mm -hmm. what was the industry like? Like, were people trusting influencers at that time? Was influencer marketing as big as it is today? Or Mm -hmm. what was the landscape like? I think back then, people trusted influencers a lot more. than Really? I feel like, yeah, I feel like back then influencer marketing was easier because it was a lot newer. Mm -hmm. And when I was working with influencers back then, it was mostly in like the lifestyle space. So you go to people for like where they're shopping, discounts, like where they're eating. Like it was very lifestyle focused from what I can remember. And it was easier to have influence. Where I feel like now it's a bit more saturated, especially with the brands and like getting into the whole sponsorship space, because I work with now mostly influencers in the wellness industry. So I see the same people and the same brands like sponsoring the same people. And so I think audiences, it's like harder for them to trust when they see like, okay, all these influencers are marketing the same brand. Like, do I really trust like their input where back then I feel like it was easier to trust people so I think it's a little harder now than it was back then that's actually true I didn't think about it that way where so many people now understand that a sponsorship is like oh they're just getting paid and people are like oh get your bag like that's awesome but like that's Mm -hmm. the only reason why you're doing it I feel like people think now that influencers only take sponsorships on because it's making them money right versus like I authentically like this product right and sometimes they do like that is the case and I feel like it makes the influencers or like personal brands have to work even harder to build that trust and like that super authentic content. Yeah. How would you say you can build trust as an influencer today in 2023? Yeah, I would say authenticity is like the biggest thing. Like you want to be somewhat transparent with your audience. I was actually talking to a client about this the other day where like a brand pitched them and wanted to go straight into whitelisting and advertising and it's like but we can't do that like I kind of like want to take it down a notch and say like no we need to introduce the brand to the audience and then it's just a whole awareness piece where Mm -hmm. it's like we're not going to straight up just like advertise like your audience knows nothing about this brand so we need to start slow so I think it's like having authenticity like educating people on like what you're doing what you want to deliver and then kind of move on from there especially like if an influencer wants to have a long-term relationship with Mm -hmm. the brand like people go to them they're like oh yeah I know that they've been using this company for like over a year so that's super like I trust that yeah I also think that like for me for example I love showcasing brands in my videos and my content that I'm not getting paid for just like organic like I love this brand so much And then uh, reaching out to them myself and being like, hey, I've talked about you already a ton. I genuinely love your product. Like, I think this would be a mutually beneficial partnership because that way my audience has seen them already without it being sponsored with me like Mm -hmm. paying for things myself. 
And then once we start working together, it's like they're happy for me for like being able to work with that brand. Do you feel like now you have to disclose when you're not when you don't have like a paid sponsorship? A lot of times I'll be like, this isn't sponsored, by the way. Like you have to say it, which kind of is doesn't make sense. Or like I feel like it's sometimes contradicting because like I'll say like I don't do sponsorships unless I really like the product. So like it shouldn't matter if it's sponsored or not. But I still feel the need to say that because I think people are so used to sponsorships now that they're so used to people just being like salespeople and and promotional. And so I need to disclose when it's not like Mm-hmm. So, for example, there's so many like meal delivery services that like, yeah. like HelloFresh, you know, like they sponsor every single influencer. Right. I started using Sunbasket, which mm-hmm. they're like another meal delivery service. And I'm paying for them myself. I'm using that like I used someone's coupon code. Like I'm like fully a customer. Yeah. And I'll talk about like I always show them in my videos because if I'm doing like a weekly vlog, it's like, that's my dinner for the day, you know? So I'll like show myself cooking and show my talk about it and be like, oh, I love this thing. And I always mention, I'm like, I know you see so many meal delivery service sponsors. This one is not sponsored. Like I would love for them to do a sponsorship for me, but like I am paying for this every single week and like Mm -hmm. it's just part of my week. So I'm going to show you guys, but I feel the need to disclose it. Yeah. And that's so hard. And that's why I think like way back when it was so much easier because people didn't really like disclose all of that. And now you feel that you have to like disclose like when you're doing it, when you're not doing it. I'm like, it's just like, why? Your audience is going to have your trust in you and that's why they're following you. Right. So it's just, yeah, I understand that. Yeah. No, I think it's because people tune out sponsorships now. Mm -hmm. So if something is sponsored, like, I mean, I'm guilty of of doing this sometimes with like podcast sponsor, like Mm -hmm. especially with Spotify, the Spotify exclusive podcasts, Mm -hmm. they'll tell you like how long this like sponsor Mm -hmm. is. Like it's like this sponsor is like better help or whatever and it shows you it's like for the next 30 seconds mm-hmm. i just like fast forward the entire I, time i do that too there's only like one podcast where i like the brands that they work with and i'm like i do want i do want your discount code <laughs> yeah well i think for me and i think with podcast sponsors and even youtube sponsors sometimes it's just the repetition it's like mm-hmm. i am being so like aware of this brand like this brand is pushing just brand awareness at this point Mm -hmm. so like if I want to use like a better help sponsor or if I want to get a better help discount code if I'm thinking about oh I should go to therapy then better help might come into my head and I'm like oh I listen to this podcast that does the sponsor so I'm going to put that sponsor's code in so I feel like it's a lot of like brand awareness rather than just like immediate conversion and you know the people like too now like there are certain influencers that I follow and I know that they're sponsored, like they have long-term partnerships with other brands. And so I'm like, okay, I'm going to go to her because I know she has a code yeah. <laughs> from them. So it could be like, it is beneficial to have those like long-term brand partnerships because like you said, you're building that like repetition, like brand recognition. Right. Do you think that now, I know you said that the market is oversaturated, but do you think it's oversaturated to become a creator or how do you think creators can actually like stand out today if they want to start? I think it's harder now to become a creator, to like just get started. I think now you have to have like a niche. Like Mm -hmm. you really have to have a niche for people that like started years ago that are kind of, you know, they do wellness, they do lifestyle, they do fashion, like it was easier. And now it seems like you really have to have a niche. So I feel like there are people in specific industries, like the wellness industry now, then the fashion industry, then more of like the lifestyle industry, education finance like I feel like if you don't have a niche it's going to be a lot harder for you to get going yeah or I think like 
yes, a niche is important or just like one thing that really like you're known for. Like I follow like Wishbone Kitchen or something and she's Uh, a private mm -hmm. chef. Mm -hmm. Like that's so cool that she's a private chef, you know, and that's like her too. Her that career is so unconventional. And so like you're curious about it or. Yes. I think something like that where you have like a thing like and now like she can post vlogs that don't have to do with her being a private chef and people will watch them, you know. Right. She started with a thing. Yeah. Same thing with this like. I follow Broma Bakery and now whenever she, I mean, she posts mostly like baking things, but whenever she posts like other like little random things, I'm interested in and exactly what you said about Wishbone. Like when she started, I was like, private chef, like, what do you do? Like, who do you cook for? Like what meals are you, how how are you putting all this stuff together? Like, what is the cost of this? Like if you're piquing people's interest through like curiosity, that is like a good way to start too. Mmm, the first taste of rare bourbon you finally got your hands on. That's nice. At Caskers.com, we make this experience easy. Caskers is a one-stop spirit curator with an impressive selection of exclusive sought-after rare and household names in the realm of premium spirits and champagne. Discover the top flavors of the year now by going to Caskers.com and using code WELCOME10 for $10 off your first purchase. Get $10 off your first purchase with code WELCOME10 at Caskers.com. Ah, mmm. The first taste of rare bourbon you finally got your hands on. That's nice. At Caskers.com, we make this experience easy. Caskers is a one-stop spirit curator with an impressive selection of exclusive sought-after rare and household names in the realm of premium spirits and champagne. Discover the top flavors of the year now by going to Caskers.com and using code WELCOME10 for $10 off your first purchase. Get $10 off your first purchase with code WELCOME10 at Caskers.com. Ah, mmm. The first taste of rare bourbon you finally got your hands on. That's nice. At Caskers.com, we make this experience easy. Caskers is a one-stop spirit curator with an impressive selection of exclusive sought-after rare and household names in the realm of premium spirits and champagne. Discover the top flavors of the year now by going to Caskers.com and using code WELCOME10 for $10 off your first purchase. Get $10 off your first purchase with code WELCOME10 at Caskers.com. I have been doing social media for so long. I feel like a grandma on social media. (laughs) Like, I started in 2011 on YouTube. Wow. It's, like, a very long time ago. And then I never had, like, a viral moment where I, like, grew a ton and, like, Mm -hmm. quit my job right away. Like, for me, everything was slow and steady. Like, it took me eight years to do it full time. So, from, like, 2011, I was 15 at the time. And then once I graduated college is when I, like, quit my job after, like, less than a year and was able to do it full time. But... For me, it was like I just it was lifestyle, you know, I like Mm -hmm. would randomly post like lifestyle content. There were always like moments where I did better. And it was always when I like focused on something like when I was in college, I focused on like being an engineering student. I would still post normal vlogs, but I would market it as like day in the life of an engineering student, Mm -hmm. not just day in the life, you Mm -hmm. know, or like or I lived in New York for a little bit. So it would be like New York City content creator, like day in the life, you know. Yeah. Now I'm like trying to I focus so much on my startup that I'm like trying to also get back into content creation Mm -hmm. and like take it a little bit more seriously Mm -hmm. and so I'm like okay I'm gonna just post a lot of like founder related Mm -hmm. like this is me as like the founder of a tech company this is Mm -hmm. me as like a founder and content creator here's what I do because I struggle with like niching down like super like too much yeah niching down too much so I'm like I'm just gonna hope that I pique people's interest by like 
marketing myself as like this founder or this you know rather than just like I live in Miami like follow me but people are also interested in like the background like I do like the lifestyle things and I like learning how like that's why I listen to so many podcasts because I'm so interested in how people got there like where they are now and so for you to talk about like you are a content creator but you also are an entrepreneur and you are a podcast host and you have all these things people are like they want that inspiration of like, how do I start this? And I'm so interested in like, you know, you were living in Charlotte and now you move back to Miami and you have all of these things going for you and people are like curious and they're right. curious about how you're doing what you're doing now. Right. And I, I have an advantage that I've been on it so for so long. So I have people that have literally been following mm-hmm. me since like I was in high school and they like can see my growth. So mm-hmm. I think that definitely helped. But yeah, I'm trying now that I'm like getting on TikTok and I'm like, okay, I'm gonna try to like, grow this year like this is the year I'm doing it oh my gosh YouTube is also really hard to like I don't work on YouTube with like any clients but I see that YouTube is growing tremendously TikTok is people are asking me about TikTok so much and I'm on it all the time which I shouldn't be (laughs) it's really addicting but I found that in the last two years it's been a little bit easier to grow on TikTok even now I feel like Instagram is just such a hard platform to grow Mm -hmm. on now and TikTok it's like one video can like go viral and it could be the most random video and that can pop off and get you get you started yeah for me with tiktok it's definitely been slow and steady as well but every time i have a video that does well i get Mm. immediately like two three thousand followers like yeah it's wild it's crazy because instagram is not like that at all and with instagram i like lose followers every day versus tiktok it's like you actually are gaining but with tiktok i post so much and videos are just like okay 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 but then one does well and it's yeah. like okay that made me grow for the week <laughs> like that <laughs> yeah that did it yeah exactly it's so wild i just started getting clients like a lot of my clients were like really weary about tiktok in the last year and i would say in the last 6 to 8 months i started creating tiktok accounts for all of my clients and it's brought them tremendous growth on Instagram. So like if you're growing on one platform, it's going to help another platform. And that's what I've seen. Exactly. Same. No, I've seen that too with my own Instagram. Like yeah. whenever I have a TikTok that does well, I get way more followers on Instagram yeah. too. Yeah. And so I like it for that and I hope they don't shut it down. Yeah. So oh, I know. It's working well for that. Yeah. With your clients. So do you mainly work with influencers or do you mainly work with brands? Um, I would say I mainly work with brands. I used to work with a lot I I don't even like saying the term influencer anymore. I like saying like personal brand or content yeah. creator because they are people of influence, but I feel like they're more, you're growing their personal brand. So like you right. have a personal brand. I only work with personal brands depending on who they are because it does require a lot more time and energy because you're working with someone's like a livelihood. Right. So yeah, I work more with brands now than with people of influence. So when you do work with personal brands, what do you do for them? Like walk us through kind of like a your role with someone who, you know, with a content creator. Yeah. So I can give you an example. I worked with a person of influence for a year as like their social media manager and they needed help getting started with like their sponsorships and managing sponsorships like they didn't know how to do any of that and so I helped them manage like sponsorship deals in addition to posting their sponsored posts for them just making sure that everything was done within like a timely manner because every sponsor is like you need to post x and x by like this date so like organizing that for them and that is a client that I kind of like I would say 
went over and above and beyond for them, which oftentimes I do that too. Cause I like get really passionate about who I'm working with. So I just want to go the extra mile yeah. and just like do more. And so I started with him as like his social media manager. And then recently he hired me on to be a fractional CMO for his business. Cause I just like went off and just did other marketing things. And like every few months I'd be like, oh, now I'm doing your email marketing. And he'd be like, oh, okay, good. And then I'd be like, oh, I'm doing this paid advertising campaign for you. And he'd be like, okay, this is great. And then for the last six months, he'd ask me like, hey, can you work for me full time? And I'm like, no, I don't want to. Like, I, I have my own business. Like, I don't see myself going back to a full-time job. And then he asked me again in December and he was like, I really need you to like work for me full-time. And I was like, okay, well, let me take a look at like what I have going on. And sometimes, you know, when you work for yourself in marketing, especially like you'll, you'll bring on clients and they're not the best. Yeah. So there are some clients that I kind of like let go slowly, like didn't want to work with. And then I brought him on more of like a part-time. So I call it like fractional because it feels full-time, but it's actually part-time. So I kept it so that I could keep my business running on the side. And so that is an example of something where like I started as like one thing and then kind of grew to the next. But for the most part, I work with personal brands on social media or paid advertising. It's like one or the other. Okay. And with paid advertising, I usually see brands like you know, like consumer brands doing mm-hmm. paid advertising. Mm-hmm. How does that work with personal brands? Like what are you promoting? Are you just boosting like TikToks or Instagrams um, that have done well or? It depends, honestly. Like it's very, it's not like a regular thing. So the only thing that I put paid advertising money behind is growing like their email list and newsletter. So they'll have like a lead magnet. Like I have one client who just launched a book. So we decided we're going to give away like the first free chapter. Mm -hmm. So if people come across an ad, they download it, they have to enter their like information, they get added to the email list, then they get their free chapter. And so that's something that I have that's like kind of evergreen running for all of my personal brands because most of like my influencer clients, they have a newsletter that goes out like on a monthly basis or they want to grow their email list for something that they're going to run down the road or they have a sponsor that's paying for a newsletter to go out or something like that. So that's something that I have going evergreen. Mm -hmm. But then it also just depends on like what campaigns they have. Like if they're doing like a white listing with like HelloFresh or something like that, then we'll run that for them. So that's really interesting to me is the seeing the like newsletter side of things mm-hmm. or like growing your email list because I do that a lot, obviously, for like Rella, which is my mm-hmm. company, but I don't really focus on that for like my personal brand myself. Mm-hmm. Like what's the benefit of creators having a newsletter? Do you think all creators should have a newsletter? Do you think all creators should have something else that they're working on or? Yeah. Yeah. I do. Okay. I think Let's hear it. Let's hear it. <laughs> I think all creators should have something outside of social media. Yeah, I agree with that. You don't want to rely like TikTok could shut down at any moment and like that is their platform. So it's like, what are you going to do? What are sponsors going to do? You want to have this. Sponsors are really intrigued by having like a big email list. I will say really? that. So if you have like 60,000 subscribers or 100,000 subscribers on your email list, Email conversion rates are a lot higher than a social media conversion. Mm -hmm. So like if you give people a direct link within their inbox to a certain brand, they're more likely to click on it than they might like an Instagram story or something like that. And that is also like a super easy thing for you to put together that doesn't require a ton of work or like a ton of time, like recording a video, editing a video. You just like put an email together, have a section for the sponsor send it out and like it can't it's like super easy work but i think 
Email is important because you never know. Email is always going to be there, like no matter what. It's been here for decades, I feel like. And it's never going to shut down. You own that data. So like once you get someone's email, you own that data and that list. And so you can grow that list continuously. And, you know, if social media, I hope it never happens, like ever shifts, you're always going to have email. So Mm -hmm. I think it's important to grow an audience in that way. What would you suggest for a lot of creators? Like what should their newsletter entail? How often should you send it out? How do you even like get started with one? Yeah, I like to start slow with people that have never done it before. So maybe start with like a monthly newsletter and something that like I would even repurpose content that you've created. So like, let's say you have a big announcement happening on YouTube or something like that, like repurpose like snippets of your announcement into a newsletter and then drive people back to watch the YouTube video. Yeah, something like that. And that's where I would start like maybe a favorite store or some activity that you did this week or a brand that you love and recognize. And I would just like hyperlink everything. People want it to be casual. They don't want they don't want another email in their inbox. They want to be excited about opening the email. Mm-hmm. So making sure that it's something that is going to be interesting to your audience. Okay. And for you, the creators that you currently work with, what are some of the like big things that you've noticed that you've implemented that have made like a huge difference in either having their business be like longer lasting or like maybe adding another stream of income or growing their audience? Mm. Like what are some things that really like moved the needle? Podcasting. <laughs> Okay, I'm on the right track. I'm on I the- feel like podcasting is growing so much. I'm not a podcast producer, but whenever a client comes to me and I know that I feel like that they would be like a really great podcast host, I'm like, why don't we just start a podcast and just do two a month and start from there? And oftentimes, podcasting is just where it's at. I feel like people don't want to sit and like watch something on their phone anymore. Yeah. They're driving. They are driving to work. They want to listen to something. So I feel like podcasting is still like people say that it's saturated, but I don't feel like it really is. I need more podcasts to listen to. So like, I, please I do too. make better, like not make better. Podcasts. <laughs> I'm not saying podcasts are bad. Make more podcasts that are also yeah. good because like yeah. the podcasts I'm listening to, they're great, but you get bored of them sometimes. Like get, it's like, yeah, I rotate my podcast. So like they'll be like last year. I listened to the Skinny Confidential. That was my favorite podcast ever. Same. And like, I'm not saying like, I think that they still have the same quality. They still have the same type of guests. Mm-hmm. Their podcast is still just as good as it was last year. Yeah. But I'm just like, okay, I want something new. Yeah. I guarantee in a few months from now, that will be my top podcast again. Because I just go through like cycles. And I know people do that with my podcast too. It's like, okay, they listen to me for mm-hmm. three months and then they take a little break and then they listen yeah. to me again. And I just know that that's like the cycle of social media in general. Yeah. So one thing I did notice though from with podcasting is like people tend to have a lot of the same guests. So it's like you see this guest on this podcast and you see him again on this other podcast. And I think it's more interesting for people to do solo episodes. So I love when like the Skinny Confidential does like solo episodes, which is like very rare. Mm-hmm. But like you're really going to their podcast to like listen to them. Yeah, you're not really you're going to listen to their guests, but like you also want to hear what they have to say. There are definitely some podcasts where I listen solely for the guests. Like if the guest is cool, that's the only reason why I ever listen to that person's podcast. Like I will not listen to their podcast if I don't care about the guests or if it's a solo episode. There are other podcasts where like I do come for them. And like the Skinny Confidential is one where like they have cool guests a lot of the times. But also I just really like hearing what they have to say. And so, yeah, you're right. There are definitely some 
like yeah. that. And I've noticed with my podcast, I started incorporating more solo episodes mm-hmm. and they've been doing really well. So yeah. um, I've started to do one to two a month now of solo episodes, and like yeah. one to two guests every single month. Mm-hmm. And I think that's when like the perfect amount, because then also it prevents people from getting bored. Kind mm-hmm. of like how I was. I was like, yeah. I get kind of bored. Like I'm like now <laughs> yeah. going to like rotate. And I hope that that kind of like yeah. makes it a little bit more exciting. Yeah. So I would recommend that. Like I think if someone has the time, build an email newsletter, but also like if you have the time and you feel like really comfortable with like public speaking or whatever, like create a podcast. Like I think that is something where people can still really grow. Mm-hmm. I do too. And I think that there's now with social media, like podcasting mixed with TikTok does so well. Podcasting mixed mm-hmm. with YouTube does really well. Like we're uploading these on YouTube now. We're mm-hmm. uploading clips on TikTok. I used to have the real, real Instagram account for my mm-hmm. podcast. And I pretty much like stopped posting on it a year ago because I was like, it's just overwhelming to have all of these things that I have to run. Yeah. So I'm just going to like promote it on my personal. Mm-hmm. I just started the real real Instagram again because now I can actually like repurpose reels onto there like okay. all my old TikToks. So mm-hmm. now I'm like I don't want all those TikToks like multiples a, a week on my personal. Right. So I just like post it on there and I'll like reshare it mm-hmm. on my personal or sometimes like add myself as a collaborator sometimes. Yeah. But it's been helping it grow because like now mm-hmm. it reaches a new audience that it might not have reached before. Yeah, I love the ability now that you can repurpose content across multiple platforms. Like there's Reels, TikTok, and then YouTube Shorts. Like you can repurpose the same thing. And that's made my job a lot easier instead of coming up with like something new for each platform individually. Yeah. Okay. So do you repurpose across all three or do you create specific content for each? Because I know like it depends. Yeah. I think like reels and TikTok, I feel like are very different, but sometimes the overlap works. I always repurpose podcast stuff because it's like I'm not going to create anything new for that. So I always repurpose for that. But for TikTok, I have certain clients where we've identified content that we created uniquely for TikTok that works really well. Like I have a client who she'll videotape herself in front of like her big yellow door in San Francisco and like people recognize her videos because of that yellow door. And so we only create videos in front of that yellow door for TikTok because we know that those are going to pop off. So I think it's like depends. It Mm -hmm. depends what it is. If the certain things like really stand out on TikTok. I had another client who he will talk about like certain vegetables and like their nutritional value and like superfoods and stuff like that. And they pop off, those videos pop off on TikTok, but they don't necessarily pop off on his Instagram account. So certain things, it depends. What about shorts? Do you just repurpose? I, yeah. yeah. I, that's, I feel like shorts is like still very new to me and I'm not a YouTuber. Yeah. And my clients, we have YouTube and we'll just like repurpose their like entire podcast episode, but we're not creating. I haven't created specific content for YouTube and I don't have clients that are like YouTubers. Like, yeah, that's what they do. I feel like YouTubers are like a dying breed now because it's like so hard to grow on it. You think so? I feel like, well, actually, I don't know. I don't know anyone that has like started from YouTube that I've worked with. I know YouTubers that I follow avidly for like their lifestyle content. Yes. Like I feel so like I started on YouTube. So I consider myself like a YouTuber where that's Mm -hmm. still such a big part of my audience. And like that's still like my favorite platform just because Mm -hmm. I'm so used to long form content. But like I never hear of anyone being like, I'm starting a YouTube channel today. You know, everyone starts on TikTok, which I understand why. But like it's so strange meeting someone now when people have like a vlog camera out. I'm like, you do YouTube. Like we need to connect. (laughs) I know. And the YouTubers I follow are like getting married now and having children Mm -hmm. and just like, 
yeah, I don't hear anyone, you're right, like talking about like, oh, I'm going to create a channel and grow there. Yeah, I feel like no one does. Or if they grow on like TikTok or Instagram, maybe then they're like, oh, I should start a YouTube channel to like mm-hmm. start vlogging. But like mm-hmm. no one really organically starts on YouTube anymore. Yeah, I agree with that. I'm like, I can't learn another platform. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, no, I don't blame you. And so where do you see like the industry going in the next like five years? Because since you started, when did you start? Like around four years ago, five years ago? I would say I started social media probably like six years ago now. Yeah, like while I was in college and then really took it head on like three years ago. I don't know. It's hard to say because I feel like things are changing so much. Like there's always a new platform coming out. I think video is definitely going to continue to be like prioritized now. I think in the next couple of years, it's still going to be a priority. So depending if it's on like the current platforms now or other new platforms later on, I think video is going to be a big priority. I don't think I hope this doesn't happen, but I don't think paid advertising is going to be as big as it has been. And mm-hmm. so there, then I'm going to have to have to do like some sort of a shift into like other types of marketing. But yeah, now with like a lot of privacy policies and all the things that are happening with social media now, I think it's going to be harder to grow. I hope a new platform comes down the road where like people can grow on there because I feel like TikTok, like once it came out, people like really pushed into it. And now it's starting to get a little bit harder than it was. So I'm like, I don't care if there's a new platform every like five years. Yeah. It's just another opportunity for people to like grow. Do you think Lemonade is going to be a thing? I don't know. I've been like beta testing it because I haven't wanted. I don't like to push things on people until like I've personally tested out, which is what I did with TikTok. Like I used it for six months and then like deemed it like, okay, let's create something for you. Let's create an account for you. So I like to beta test things for a long time before I'm like, okay, we're going to add another service here because then it it does. It's going to be like additional work for me. So I want to make sure that I know that clients can grow on here and that. We can like make a living off of this platform. So it's hard to say. I like it. I actually really like it. It's very Pinterest like. It's very aesthetic. I'm interested to see how brands I've seen a couple of brands already like utilizing the platform. Oh, really? But I'm interested to see like how they're gonna do it. I should start testing it. <laughs> yeah. I actually took a break. Now you brought it up, it like popped into my head again. But I took a break from using it because it's just a whole other thing. thing. Yeah. Yeah, I know. It's it's so so much to keep up with. When you work with like your brands, with uh, personal brands, do you come up with like the entire content calendar? Are you coming up with a strategy? Like, yeah. Okay. Yeah, pretty much everything. So I still work pretty much one-on-one with everyone. Like I hired my first full-time employee in March, but I had like contractors like working Mm -hmm. for me for the last several years, but I still am very like one-on-one with clients and I'm still very much like I go through a whole onboarding process, learn about them, and everything I do is, like, very unique and, like, tailored to them. So I try to, like, learn their tone of voice, learn their audience, like, what they're offering, like, what makes them unique, and, like, help them build off of the brand that they already have. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, I work very one-on-one with people. That's awesome, though. I mean, you have, like, social media, I think you need a personal connection Mm -hmm. because there's no, like, yes, obviously, like, TikTok, Instagram, all these apps have their own algorithms, but there's Mm -hmm. no way that you can like hack it. You know, there's no way for you to be like, this is the formula for growth. Like, here Mm -hmm. you go. So I feel like you have to still be, you know, 
Yeah. I have certain people that are like very specific about what they want to post. And so I kind of like just build off of that. But for the most part, people are hiring us because they're like, I don't know what to do. Like, give me ideas. Yeah. So and like organize things for me and tell us what to do and help us create the content. So, yeah, we have like various tools that we use, like a whole process that we take when we're onboarding new clients for social media and we go through like it takes about I would say two months for us to get familiar with the new client and with their whole brand so that they feel comfortable just like handing it off to us. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I guess like I'm I mean, for me, I'm excited to see where the industry goes. I think it's only Mm -hmm. growing, but I definitely agree with you where people need to get have more of a strategy and be a little bit more specific starting out. Yeah. But I think that there's still a lot of room to grow because consumers are also consuming the content more too mm-hmm. than ever before yeah they really so are. there's room for way more people in the industry yeah i don't think anything recently that i've bought was not a recommendation <laughs> from someone really? like when you think about it though That's it's actually- like yeah like when you think about it you're like okay like i'm now into these type of like flare pants because it's like trending right now and i see influencers like wearing these pants or like Zara popped off because shoes. yeah <laughs> yeah exactly it's like when you think about it like really hard when you anything that you bought recently was probably influence like influencing oh, you yesterday on Amazon I just <laughs> spent $60 because I'm going to Australia next week and I'm so terrified of that flight because it's like so oh, yeah. long <laughs> so I bought an inflatable like travel pillow that you can like head down like this and like put your arms under have you seen that saw it on tiktok (laughs) and then i was like just in case i don't like that let me buy another one so i bought the one that you like wrap around your neck and you like lean yeah and you can i saw actually someone from the bachelor or bachelorette or whatever she just bought like one of those pillows that's kind of like a candy cane oh yeah yeah i mean it's true like literally almost everything and recently it's like it's I've been influenced. Yep. Oh, in yeah. Some way. I know. That's that's actually crazy to think about. Yeah. Like, everything, even like the restaurants I go to, if I mean, when we go to Australia, we're going to look up things to do on TikTok. Like I'm not looking on Google. 100%. I planned my entire Greece trip in October because of TikTok. Yeah. It's really crazy. Even like, I mean, if we're thinking about like everything, like even do me wanting to do video podcasts, it's like yeah. because I see them on social media. Yeah, exactly. So I, I don't think it's going to go anywhere. I think it's going to grow or there are going to be new platforms, new way to do things. Just kind of figure out like what you really love and turn that into something. Yeah. No. Well, thank you so much for coming on my podcast. Thank you. This was an awesome conversation. I just like talking about the industry, how to help creators, and then just love hearing other like business owners and how they got to where they are. So where can they find you? And if they want to work with you, where can they reach out? Yeah. So our Instagram account is Define Media Co. Our website is definemediaco.com. So you can reach out there. Awesome. Thank you again. Thanks for listening to this week's episode of The Real Real. I hope that you enjoyed and don't forget to rate, review, follow, or subscribe on your favorite podcast app. You can follow me personally on Instagram at Natalie Barbu and the podcast at The Real Real Podcast. I'll see you next Monday. Ah, mmm. The first taste of rare bourbon you finally got your hands on. That's nice. At caskers.com, we make this experience easy. 
Caskers is a one-stop spirit curator with an impressive selection of exclusive, sought-after, rare, and household names in the realm of premium spirits and champagne. Discover the top flavors of the year now by going to caskers.com and using code WELCOME10 for $10 off your first purchase. Get $10 off your first purchase with code WELCOME10 at caskers.com.